Welcome to another episode of Sales is Not a Dirty Word. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. As always, I'm your show host, Alicia Barr, your revolutionary sales coach for solopreneurs and creator of this inspiring podcast. You can check me out at aliciabarr.com. Our podcast is all about the matchmaker sales method because if it's a fit, it's a fact and there's no selling involved and other alternative sales strategies that will bring you real help you can implement now. This episode is about the subconscious money beliefs you don't realize are hurting your sales with Becky Claybaugh. Becky Claybaugh is a no-nonsense money mindset coach for solo professionals and small business owners ready to skyrocket their sales and expand their reach. As a self-professed recovering salesy weirdo herself, she is on a mission to help women um, rejig their outdated stories about earning worthiness and visibility. Welcome to the big show, Sales is Not a Dirty Word. Becky. Hey, I'm so so glad you're here. Yes. Hi. How are you today? Good. I'm really excited to talk to you because um, when we first met, it was, you have a very different approach to something that definitely hurts a lot of people's sales. And it's not something that many people focus on. Um, those things that happen where everything falls apart or you're pushing really hard and, and nothing is happening, even though you're putting all your effort and it's like, why? Like, I guess it's me, like the universe doesn't want me to have these sales or I I'm just bad at sales or whatever. And those kinds of things that aren't as tactical, but making just as big of an impact. So I'm so excited to, to have you here. What got you started in coming to sales from this angle? Yeah. Oh, thanks. That's a good question. I, well, first of all, I am a personal development junkie. So I have over 30 years experience with a lot of life and um, training. So what brought me to this is when COVID showed up, I was certified to be a life coach in 2019, even though my degrees in um, counseling with uh, drug and alcohol addictions. And um, then I also sold durable medical equipment. So I use those tactical skills to get myself grounded and whole and, and um, competent in my body when I would talk to those surgeons. And I use the, the skills that I used when I would counsel my clients to recognize. And I'd like to suggest that there is a mind, body, emotional, and money connection when we're dealing with our income generating activities. And so I just really recognize that the tools that I'm going to share with you today and those pieces and parts all go with, uh, it's like a big puzzle piece. And I, I just really realized that women do get triggered, mostly women, men do too, when we're talking about money and why sometimes we have a resistance and we don't know why. Yeah. And to clarify, you mentioned that like you used those techniques to ground you when you were talking to surgeons, cause you were selling medical equipment to Mm -hmm. surgeons. Yes. Yes. And the truth about that, well, I'm sorry, you go ahead. No, like, so you, you use these and they helped you with your own sales. Mm -hmm. It did because really when you're thinking about that, there's layers of those conversations. First, you have to get past the gatekeeper. You have to get past the woman who's at the front desk and she's looking at you with over the top of her glasses. Can I help you? Yeah. (laughs) And so that having that feeling in your body that, you know, she's busy and passing my stabbing her with my business card, 
that's not how it works. So building those relationships with those people to get me to the next level, which was then the medical assistant, then it was the nurse, then it was the surgical tech, then it was the surgeon, then I could bring lunch. So it was a big process to build those relationships with those aspects of my thoughts and my feelings so that I could get into inspired action. Yeah. And so commonly in the scenario that you just explained in sales scenarios, people feel like they're going to reject me. Like I would say that's like the most common limiting belief in a sales conversation is like, oh my God, I'm so scared to have a sales conversation because this person's going to reject me when really the opposite is true. That person would love to say yes. So this problem could go away forever and you could solve it for them. And they would be so happy. So, um, you know, having those techniques that really ground you for those conversations so you don't go down that rabbit hole because you're going to show up weird if you're like, (laughs) this person's going to reject me. Like, you're going to just seem uncomfortable and like, just reject me now, basically, is kind of how you act. Um, Well, yeah. And I did do that because I was just in my mid twenties when I was doing that and I didn't have a whole lot of experience. And so I was a weirdo. I would go in and be all scared and that they were going to, you know, I'm going to get thrown out. You know, it's funny because our feelings, they're just feedback, you know, it's information for us to recognize. Am I really in danger? Well, no, they're not going to actually harm me. (laughs) I'm just there to help. And that's the fun thing about when you recognize the conversation in sales is you're making an offer to help because I knew I saw my competitor in clinic or even in a surgical suite that they were not the best um, caregiver for patients. And I knew that I, I could do a better job. I was very confident about that. And I wanted to earn their business. Yeah. So definitely the belief in your product helps a lot, but we talked about this before. I say often sales is a regular conversation. There's just an exchange of money at the end, but that exchange of money makes people feel really weird. Um, so you have these five money areas that you identify that are causing somebody to act oddly in a sales conversation. So what are the symptoms? Like, what are they doing that is, what's the odd behavior? So they know, oh, I'm doing that. And then what are the money areas attached to it? Oh, that's good. Well, I'll share with you the five different types of money. And then the specific one I'm going to tell you about are the last two. So the five types are your savings and your debt, and then your income. And the last two are your income goals and then toxic money. So inside your income goals, there could be an element where you're operating out of scarcity because you really want to hit that goal. You're operating out of being a weirdo because you have an agenda attached on the end instead of coming in and providing service with no agenda attached. Bringing value is really that vibration in your body of confidence instead of I've got to get this sale. If I don't get this sale, then X, Y, Z is going to happen. And so your brain it obeys what you're telling it. And what's interesting is that 85% of our brain is operating on a subconscious level anyway. So when we have beliefs that we're looking for evidence from the past of things that we've quote unquote failed before without recognizing failure as a piece of um, evidence that we also need to learn and grow to the next level, we just hang on to those old limiting beliefs that don't even serve us anymore. So that's the sneaky thing that you can be recognizing being grounded in your body. And with that, income goal is the more people I talk to, the more offers I make, 
pretty confident I'm going to hit that income goal. Okay. So like the scarcity thing makes them not make more offers. Yeah. It's really that vibration in your body. It's that subconscious, you know, that fight or flight stress response is probably kicking in. And like, I, okay, here's a weirdo thing I used to do. And I learned this because I watched my parents, they were in sales. My mom sold uh, real estate and my dad sold corrugated packaging. So she sold empty houses and he sold empty boxes and they worked really great together. But I heard my dad say, you know, I'd really like to get my foot in the door with you. And my good friend, Jamie Rowe, reminded me of the story about, do you know where that actually came from? I don't. No. <laughs> I'd like to get my foot in the door with you. Well, it was when there were salesmen that would go knocking door to door and the housewives oh. would open the door <laughs> and they would say, hi, I'm here to show you this vacuum or whatever it was. And they'd say, no, thank you. And they'd want to, they'd close the door, but then the salesman would have a shoe size that was a little bit bigger than the other one. And they'd literally stick their foot in the door so they couldn't close the door. So that was getting their foot in the door. It's a weirdo tactic. And now it's called harassment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It makes it seem like, you know, I want to force my way in. (laughs) Yeah. And I used to even say things like that. In fact, one of the, the surgeon's offices and the gatekeeper who wouldn't let me in, I went to Hobby Lobby and I found a little cookie cutter. It was the size of a foot. And I went home and I made, a, I don't even know how many cookies. If you can think about the Lucille ball and, you know, it was the, the, the episode where she's on the candy on the candy conveyor and conveyor belt. Candy, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's going so fast. They have, that was me making cookies. It was, it was a weirdo moment. And I found a really great cookie jar and I took it over and I put it on her desk and there was a note, it was beautiful, all these little feet cookies. And it said, I'd really love to get my foot in the door with you. Yeah. Did, and, did it work? Well, eventually about, I don't even know how many weeks or months later, but it, she did finally give me a shot because I was, I kept going in there and making a relationship and that perspective of just like, just checking in. If there's anything I can do to help you. Here's what we're offering up this week this month, whatever. And then I'd go sit in my car and I would cry, but she was always on my agenda. (laughs) She was always on my calendar. So when I saw that that clinic came up, I'd go walk in there and I just believed that that was absolutely what was going to happen because the nervous system wiring that I put in that paradigm was I'm going to help this clinic. And finally I did. Yeah. Well, that persistence goes a long way. Like people are like, this person is not, this person is going to continue to come in. So, um, (laughs) they will usually give you an opportunity because most people don't show back up. Right. Exactly. And that's the whole idea with that income goal. It really, I stopped coming from that perspective and I really was recognizing how much my weirdo behavior was actually costing me. And then I just decided that's actually my personality. And I like to be quirky and I like to have fun. And, and I wanted to bring lunch one day and, and I kept asking her, And finally, she did give me a shot because she could see that I was not going to be forceful or inappropriate, that I just literally came in and just was offering to help. If you have any extra overflow of patients who need care today, I'm in the neighborhood, I'm here, whatever it was. And finally, it came down to the event of, okay, I'm going to give her a shot. And they finally did. And did you get to sell them some equipment? I did. And it was great. That ended up to be one of my biggest accounts. There were multiple surgeons in that office. And that's kind of how it worked out too, was I was able to get in with different medical assistants until it was that opportunity of I was serving the whole clinic and it was a long journey, but it was my most favorite accomplishment. So now I can look at that as evidence of, you know, I didn't get 
harmed. And I did come in to do what I said that I was going to do. Yeah, you kept showing up and they appreciated it. Um, that mindset shift of just really like these people want someone who's going to show up. They want someone who cares. The person who just comes in once just wants a sale. Person sure. who comes in 20 times cares about <laughs> who they're selling to. Um, okay. So what is toxic money? Yeah. So the toxic money is interesting because it's not really talked about much. So there's two elements in toxic money. So there's either a battle or there's a dependency. And in the battle, there's something that is money that is owed or being withheld. For example, a battle of some sort could be a custody, could be a lawsuit. It could be a settlement or something like that. It could be a battle over something that you you were wronged and um, just really paying a heavy price for it, for that battle of just um, an entitlement piece to it too, where the money's withheld and you have to continue to prove that you meet it, that you're worthy of it. It's just always ruminating in the back of your brain. And it's uh, there's a heavy price with that too, because it's such a negative thing that's happening. It's a circumstance that's really, um, uh, it creates a, an emotional level of um, pain and discomfort. Dependency is the one where you're in a relationship with something and re- like a, a partner or even a boss where you're staying in that situation just because you need the money and you're not making an exit from there because you're just stuck and your brain is trying to keep you in that place. It could also be um, a, a situation that doesn't continue to improve and there's um, a battle with that as well. So it's thinking about in that situation, do I have control of this? Yes or no. And most of the time the brain is really believing, no, I don't just because it's something that it's been, it's a common uh, pattern that you've been in for such a long time that um, comes into a lot of rejigging that we have to do with the brain. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of times maybe um, in a partnership, one person stays home with the kids and then they don't make any money and they can't leave and that kind of a thing. Um, So the person can kind of treat them as badly as they want because they hold all the power. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually. And that's, that's a really good point. You and I were just talking about raising families and uh, your kids are little and brand new and my kids are, we're getting ready to be empty nesters. And so in that, um, a season of our life, I uh, was pretty much a stay at home mom. And I was really dependent upon Chris bringing the breadwinner and it worked great. And then it came into a place where I was like, wait a minute, I had thoughts about getting jobs while the kids were in school and things like that. And I was literally under earning. And I had no idea that I was even doing that because I was just so dependent on Chris. Oh, he'll Mm -hmm. just take it all. And I can tell you that that is one of my bugaboos as being an independent business owner, that there are times that I do have a tolerance for um, an income level, either at a low level or a high level. I have to be very mindful of it and make sure that I'm not settling for that because that there is that resistance of um, shifting a, um, a belief or a pattern that's been there for a really long time. So toxic money is very sneaky. And um, with that mind-body connection that's downloaded in your nervous system, that's just, we've been married for 24 years. <laughs> so I've been in that place of like, well, wait a minute, I can contribute and I can contribute in a really big way. And it's been kind of a shift for Chris because that's just the role that he's played for a long time too, that you really, you can make money as a, as a coach. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Yeah. So it is, that's such an interesting, um, 
explanation of like the dynamic changing and how you were able to work through that. Cause a lot of times when you address toxic money issues like that, the partner who usually had the power will be very angry mm-hmm. that you are making money and contributing. For sure. Or the perception that they'll be very angry also. And that what toxic money does is it shuts down your earnings, you know, what working through, it's really a relationship issue. Like you just pointed out, Chris, and I had to really talk about that and how I was going to, I continued to, um, it's kind of funny because I started my business. I used, um, money from, uh, the, or my, my COVID, <laughs> my COVID money and um, found one of the computers downstairs that Chris rejigged for me. And I got online and just started to help in different groups. And it was just an interesting dynamic that in COVID we, I was able to problem solve that way that he was like, how does this work? I, you can really get online and talk to people. So just really needed to have that conversation of possibility, something that we created out of nothing. Yeah. Cause you do have a choice in what you create. You have a choice in, in what you do. And a lot of times the people, when, when you create really magical things or very innovative, it's when you didn't have a choice. Yeah. That's so good. And I think that's when we can unpack toxic money. There are lots of women that I work with and they go through, I have a confidential money map and we go through all five types and we see where they have the biggest blind spot. And a lot of times Um, before I was working with just independent business owners, I was working with women, basic life coaching, and I could see that they would get triggered by money. And so this is where it came up. We would have that conversation when they'd finish the money map. It's about an eight session process that they would say, you know what, I want to start a business or, you know what, I don't want to do what I'm doing right now. And I want to do something different. Their identity shifts in a whole different way, because when we rejig the nervous system, in addition to the thoughts and the feelings, it's it's just a great puzzle that we put together that there's a whole paradigm that you create that's brand new. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes total sense. Cause a lot of times you're definitely settling for a situation or doing something that you don't love because it makes money. And so you think that that's what you have to do. Uh, yeah. Like that's what you have to do to make money. Um, and there's like the shame around it kind Mm. of, uh, around money. And if you have shame around money, how does that translate to asking someone to spend money with you? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. And you know, what's interesting about what you just said is that there's also an element I'm imagining too, that sometimes what you just said about the shame part, then as being an independent business owner, a lot of times I watch a lot of women change it into a job. It just turns into this job and it's the hustle and the grind. And when we become more conscious and aware of like what we're just talking about right now, then you have the ability, like you've already pointed out to change and things really do start to shift. Money is just like what you already said too, is that it's that energy, it's the exchange. And when we have these conscious beliefs and those things that like, for example, if you were a kid and you watched your parents fight over money at the dinner table, there's something that was probably downloaded about money that's subconscious. Yeah. Like if money was always a stressful conversation in your household, Mm -hmm. then it's probably every time you talk about it, making your heart rate (laughs) race and you just start to feel like, like, I don't want to talk about it. I'm scared to talk about it. And so obviously those aren't going to be productive conversations if they even happen at all. 
for sure. Even if looking at your PL triggers you or you're, you're looking at your spreadsheet or whatever it is, or you're talking to your bookkeeper. And if you get pinged, you can imagine that if you have a feeling of vibration in your body, like I already said, that it's feedback. If you're getting a negative feeling, that's information that you might want to check that out. Yeah. And it, it does require you being so vigilant. Because um, <laughs> so many, I mean, we're thinking micro feelings and stuff all the time without Ooh. even registering them. Yeah. Um, but it is showing, changing the way that we're behaving. So it's changing yeah. the result we're getting. So it's so 100%. important to be vigilant of, Hmm, that does feel weird. Why do I feel like it's hot all of a sudden, <laughs> or like my clothes are too tight. Um, <laughs> like I need to explore this, uh, and figure out, you know, do you basically remove it? You do remove yeah. the, the belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yep. And that's, what's really cool about that is that you can actually create a whole new thought about it. And because that thought that if you're having that feeling, or you even get angry, like you're looking at your PL or you're looking at the year, the past year, and you're blaming others or yourself, or you're having negative beliefs or, or trash talk. That's an indication that your body is probably going into a fight or flight stress response. That cortisol is starting to flood your, your body and want to get the heck out of there, shut the whole thing down. Don't even look at it or deal with it tomorrow or next week. Yeah. You put it off. Definitely. And I mean, though, I see a lot of times when those kind of money beliefs are, are there that, that people feel weird asking for large sums of money. Mm-hmm. They feel like bad mm-hmm. about it. Um, mm-hmm. like, oh, if this was me, I wouldn't want to spend this amount of money. And so they feel really weird asking for it. Like well, how much value would I need to see to do it? Um, and understanding that like people are different and what's super valuable to a surgeon is going to be different than what's super valuable to the medical assistant. Um, so like you might have one little thing that's going to change everything for them. And it seems silly to you, but to that person, it's like going to save them hours and hours and hours a week, for example, or something like that. So I've seen that like prejudgment based on price tag from somebody presenting, And then I've also seen this money belief where people are like, you have so much money, you should be able to buy this and not even like think twice about it. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Well, because we had also talked before is I just created this whole thought about um, investment wounding um, from that place of, I know that this is going to help me and it's really stressing me out. If I invest, what if it doesn't? Well, it's because there's a wound of some sort you've invested before and it didn't go so great which falls under the umbrella of like, mm, I don't really call it like calling it a trauma, but that's the best word I can use. It would be a goal trauma, like a small T trauma. You invested in something or you, you made this goal and you really believed in it and you put your heart and soul in it, into it and something just went wrong. So setting those income goals that we already talked about before or investing in a high ticket thing, that's what's happening in the back of your brain is you don't trust others or you don't trust yourself. But really, is that even true? That's what you got to check into and make sure that, you know, you're putting into the effort to getting the result that you're looking for. Yeah. And that reminds me of a conversation. A lot of times you have in a sales conversation, mm-hmm. like somebody will just be scared and it's like, okay, what is the hesitation here? Have you had a bad experience? Yeah. And then you talk through the bad experience. Okay. Well, did that bad experience have, you know, one-on-one support and does that make it different? And calling out those differences that, you know, for some people it would and some people it wouldn't, but having the honest conversation with someone about it really helps uh, 
unpack whether it's actually something to be scared of or not. I love that. And that to me, that makes me love you even more. The kind of, the kind of coach that you are and how you invite people into your container of coaching and what you offer, because that you're really showing that heart of like, Hey, I'm hearing something here. Can we talk about that? Because I want to make sure you're feeling emotionally safe before you come in here. Yeah. And then also like your approach is making sure that you feel an emotion. The salesperson feels emotionally safe in having the conversation. Um, because when you're, you're not able to have an honest conversation with someone else, if all of your own junk is being triggered. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. Oh, I love that because there's that something pushing back in the nervous system of either person is feeling like a weirdo or (laughs) on both sides that having that conversation of authenticity and making sure that what we're having the conversation about is a good fit and that you definitely, you know, that you can give them help that they're looking for. Yeah. And, um, the authenticity, I mean, things get tense and weird sometimes, and maybe you don't know if it's you or them and just being able to say, Hey, you know, feels a little tense. Like what's coming up for you, um, (laughs) can go a long way than just like, you know, what is the word like sticking it out through the awkwardness? Like it's so Mm. awkward and you're just like, (laughs) I'm just gonna, you know, continue on and then try to wrap this up as fast as possible because I want to get away from it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is such an important topic in sales as far as like your mindset selling or helping somebody else through their mindset buying. So thank you so much, Becky, for coming on and um, talking about the subconscious money beliefs you don't realize are hurting your sales. So So good. Thank you. Yes. And can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and how they can work with you? Yeah. Well, thank you. Yep. You can just go to beckyclaybaugh.com. And my last name is C-L-A-B-A-U-G-H. I have a free event. That's the second Wednesday of the month. And um, we get online. It's called the Six Figure Focus Group. And I'm having people on there who have created living proof that they've made the results of what we're talking about today. And we also have an opportunity to learn high vibration uh, revenue generating activities that are inspiring people to do that. And then we do some speed networking at the end. So you get to meet other badass women in there. Oh, I love that because, you know, a lot of times people don't know what to do to get to be mm-hmm. in a higher vibration. So yeah. you're doing exercises that just are going to get them in it right there. Absolutely. Um, so helpful. Okay. Well, this has been the sales is not a dirty word podcast where we show you how to use the matchmaker method, because if it's a fit, it's a fact, and there's no selling involved. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time.